Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope. This is where you get to hear how to feel happy, balanced, and worthwhile. How to make that lonely ache vanish and feel empowered, confident, and secure. I'm Lauren Abrams, and I get to help you feel that magic again since going through my own dark night of the soul by chatting with incredible leaders, healers, and change agents who give us their messages of hope after overcoming challenges of their own. And today we're talking to the fabulous retired professor, now certified personal development trainer, Michelle Winmuller. Are you ready for more connection and happiness with others? After decades teaching, Michelle retired and found herself more stressed out than ever. She did the inner work, and after such incredible transformation, she knew she had to share this freedom. She's now a certified IM trainer and helps you feel the connection and joy and improve vitality and peace that she continues to exude. Learn right now how to navigate relationship challenges with joy and inspiration. Get tools for tapping into your intuition and how to focus. This is going to be so much fun. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope, Michelle. Oh, thanks so much, Lauren. I'm so happy to be here with you today. Yeah, I'm glad we finally get to do this. So most people, when they retire, you think, oh, good, I get to relax. I get to just go into and do everything I've been wanting to do and not have to work all the time. And you got stressed out. What happened? Oh, I thought I was just going to travel the world with my husband and just live the life that we had always dreamed of. And I found myself in deep sadness and kind of angry that I was exhausted I slept for about a year, but I just, I didn't know what to do with myself. And really, honestly, I discovered that I was, I had some dark, deep demons that I had thought I dealt with, but that came back to haunt me when I had nothing to do at this point of my life. Yeah. So everything surfaced and I had to face myself. So and did you go to therapy at first? What did you do? I slept, as I yeah, said, right, I right. really, yeah, I, was, I went to sleep. <laughs> I kind of just rested, but I was in a lot of body pain. I was seeing someone for some deep tissue work. And this person said, you know, I don't think I can help you. I think you need something else. Did you try therapy? Where did you go on antidepressants? I've talked to a lot of people that ended up on antidepressants and they did that for a while and then they found something else. They Yeah. So for the first 40 years while I was working to maintain myself, I was in 18 years of Jungian couch therapy, okay. if you can imagine, twice a week. And then I was, the medication that I was on for about a year and a half, I went off of, because it just, it got me to a point where I could manage myself while I was working. So I did, I did go off medication, but I was on, I stayed in therapy a long time. That 18 years really just, I don't know, helped me sustain myself. But after that, I tried all kinds of things, self-help workshops. I read self-help books. I went to EST. I tried all kinds of diets. I thought, oh gosh, I need to lose a lot of weight. Maybe that'll make me feel better. I just, I could not find the answer for me. And when I retired, from a very stressful last five years of my career out of the 40 in public education, I just really crashed. And I didn't know what else to do. I didn't want to go back to therapy and just talk about the problems because I thought that didn't really solve it. Just telling the story over and over made it even worse in some regards. I just needed something different. I needed to calm down this inner demon. I'd never meditated. Someone suggested that. And truly, that was the magic. That was the beginning of my journey into this healing period these last eight years. So you started with meditation? 
About eight years ago, when I went to this program, I started taking classes. It was hard at first. I didn't want to do it. My mind was so busy. I couldn't shut it off. I asked my husband to do it with me. He goes, are you kidding me? I'm too old for that. So I just did it on my own. I just sat in a room, turned on this recording, this guided meditation, and I went for it. And little by little, the mind started to quiet down and I started to train my breath. It was amazing. I have to say there was a period of time where it was difficult and then it wasn't. That's where I am now where it isn't. It's just part of my daily routine. Yeah. Yeah. I know we do meditations together and I love that. So how were you introduced? Did you just find an app? Which, how did you get started with meditation? So basically I went to this weekend program and then I entered a class. I enrolled in a class, a 12 week series, and we actually meditated every week with the teacher it was called at the time a mental mastery class. I thought, oh, that's good. I want to master my mind because yeah. it was nuts. It was yeah. literally crazy. And so as I began to quiet down, still the mind, focus the mind, I used this four-sided breath and I started to quiet my mind down. And when I felt myself ramping up again during the week or during the day, I would just use my breath just continue to use my breath to calm myself down. And mental mastery turned into emotional mastery, which was the next class. And I thought, oh, now I get to train the emotions in the same way. And that's what I did. That to me was a beautiful class because the emotions I was experiencing were sadness, depression, which was deep sadness. I was angry. I didn't realize how rageful I was from my past there was a lot that went on in my past that I thought I dealt with in therapy. It was a surface issue for me. And then it just reared its ugly head. The unconscious was unfurled when I started meditating. And it wasn't a bad thing. It was just I didn't know what to do with it. And so it was great to be in a class where someone was guiding me. And I was studying with Joey Klein, and he became my teacher. And I was so grateful to him just for saying to me that every emotion is okay. Even rage is okay. It's just okay. Feel it. An emotion, what did I learn, would last, what, 90 seconds if I didn't feed it with a story. And so I stopped feeding my emotions with stories, and I just felt them, and they dissipated. What emerged was a sense of peace that I had never, ever experienced in my entire life. And that's what I teach people today. I want people to feel that sense of peace without running a marathon. Because I know the endorphins will happen, but meditation can give you that same kind of high, that same sense of serenity. So somebody that, there's a lot to unpack there, but how would somebody use some of these tools who's listening now? What would they be able to do? What tools that maybe what somebody could do if they're feeling all these feelings to not add a story to it. Okay. So if I were feeling that sadness come over me, I don't even think about why I'm sad. I never ask the question why anymore because why takes me down that rabbit hole. Yep. All I do is breathe. I focus on my breath. I quiet the mind. The thoughts begin to stop. It's really rewiring the emotions and the thought strategies to redirect them. 
So when I shut the mind off and stop feeding the emotion of sadness with the story, the mind shuts off. What emerges is usually that natural state of peace or sometimes joy, could be even love. So anyone who's listening could use a breath technique of a four-sided breath. Just inhale through the nose, pause, exhale through the nose, pause. That can quiet the nervous system within a minute and you would have a new experience of yourself. Now you talk about how your marriage improved. Oh yeah. How did that happen? Well, my husband's about 11 years older than I am. So he always uses the excuse that he's too old to do this. And I laugh because I don't think you're ever too old to learn. I'm a lifelong learner. But he just didn't want to go into meditation. He says he couldn't sit still. He's actually very hyperactive. And so he never did it. But what I noticed was that when I was triggered by him, just in the slightest way, we were in these routines together, he would, I don't know, become helpless with technology. I don't know if anyone can relate to that. And I was his tech expert. It would just piss me off. It would just irritate me that I constantly was reteaching him the same thing. What I noticed, though, was that emotion was triggered in me, not in him. And so it was mine to deal with, mine to address. And so what I began to realize and why our relationship changed so much was that I I started to notice the patterns we were inside of. Maybe I was getting critical when he seemed helpless. And I owned that. And all of a sudden, I stopped being critical. And I thought, that does not serve here. That does not help him, and it certainly doesn't make me feel good. So I dropped it. I took a breath, and I just was helped him. And what I realized was the interaction went so much better. He felt so supported and cared about. And as a result, he was more loving towards me. When I was critical, he withdrew from me. So I just changed the relationship by my reaction to being around him. And it changed our patterns of interacting. As a result, our marriage is really great today, better than ever. We just enjoy being together and talking and spending time together, doing things together. Because he doesn't feel like I'm going to criticize him. And I don't feel the need to do that anymore. That's amazing. I love that. And then can you talk about how somebody would be able to tap into their intuition and how you learn to tap into yours? That's a really great question. You know, intuition is kind of that nebulous term of, you know, what the heck is it? You know, people think, oftentimes my teacher will talk about having a magic eight ball and he says, okay, we're going to ask a question and we're going to shake it. Is this guy for me? And we shake it and it says, this guy is not for you, not for you. And then we listen to that. That is not intuition. You know, when I think of intuition, I think of accessing my unconscious. I have all of the answers for me inside of me. And if I don't, I know where to go to find those answers. If I can quiet down the mind, the emotions, and the nervous system, I can think clearly. And now I give the brain information that I need. For example, if someone wants to find a job, for example, you know, if you're anxious about interviewing, I would drop that anxiety and just quiet the mind down and think, wow, what do I want to tell people? What is it I want to present? That will emerge. Your real self will emerge. A great example of intuition is thinking about 
even just with relationships. You know, I, I work with many young men and women that really want to be in a relationship that are single. And they always say, you know, how do I know this is the right person? And I say, just listen to that inner self, not your gut. Your gut is an emotional monster that tells you, oh, this is good, this is bad. It's not good or bad. It's that quiet knowing inside that says, does this feel right? Are there enough things in place here that I want to go out on a second date? Is this person sharing their authentic self? Am I being heard? If you can answer those questions when you're with somebody and you feel your authentic self, then go out on a second date or third and get to know that person. But be your authentic self. Accessing your intuition is being your authentic self. And it allows us to bridge the gap from where we are at this moment in time to where we want to go. It'll give us those answers that we're looking for that emerge from our unconscious. And it's kind of, that is kind of magical if you think about it. And it's really a beautiful process, but it does take training. I don't think it just happens. I think we train intuition. We train the emotions. We train the thought strategies. Yeah, we have to be quiet to get in touch with and be able to feel our own truth. Absolutely. I agree with you. Yeah, I agree. One of the things I want to ask you about was how not to get caught up in relationship drama. I know Mm -hmm. you've got like family drama, how to for people not to get caught up in that and and your own like how the evolution of you being able to just kind of rise above and just see it for what it is and not get entangled? That's such a great, great question. Everyone has a family. We all come from someone. And whether you're an only child or you're one of six like me, it can be very dramatic with all those personalities, everyone joining together. It was tough growing up in a family of six. There was everybody inserting themselves. There was some physical abuse in the family, It was not an easy place to grow up. And when I finally became an adult, and everyone was an adult, because we were very close in age, like 14 months apart, and then we had rifts in the relationships, like my sister stopped talking to me 17 years ago. It was so painful. For years, I carried that pain. Recently, I don't know, I just reconciled it because she gets to live her life. She gets to choose how she wants to live her life, just like I get to choose how I want to live my life. And just because we're born into the same family does not mean we have to be best friends. And recently, if I haven't seen her very much, or I haven't spoken to her in 17 years, and when I took my husband to Hawaii for his birthday last month, she was literally on the plane behind me, sitting in the seat behind me. And she stood up and we were all wearing masks. So I didn't really recognize her. It's been 17 years. We got off the plane and she said, what are you doing here? And I said, we're celebrating my husband's birthday. And she said, oh my God, I can't believe that. And I said, you're welcome to join us for brunch. I think I shocked her because for me, it's just part of my life being inclusive now, just being kind being open, loving. She didn't come, but that's okay. I get to be who I want to be and she gets to be who she wants to be. And I feel free inside of that. It took me some years to come to that, to not feel obligated to take care of everyone in the family. 
I just allow them to be who they are. I accept them. That acceptance has saved me. That acceptance of each person has allowed me to love them the way they are. And I don't mean in the, you know, I need to love you and hug you and all. No, just to open my heart to them and truly let them live their life and I can live mine. So if you're having trouble with your family, trust me, just practice acceptance. That doesn't mean you agree with them. It just means an acknowledgement of what is. I accept that that's what she chooses for herself and it's okay. Yeah, that was fabulous. Thanks. What's the hardest challenge that you've ever been through? How'd you get through it? And I, 32 years ago, almost 32 years ago, when I got married, I really wanted to have a family. I had 11 miscarriages. I had so much infertility. For three years, we did everything possible from 11 procedures with 11 miscarriages to three failed adoptions two international adoptions, one local, and then a surrogate. We ended up on 2020 with the surrogate on that news show. She was using drugs. And I had to reconcile that, that in my life, I really wanted to be a mom. It was my dream. I always thought that was going to be my role. And it just didn't happen. There's only three things I can control. I learned my thoughts, my own emotions, and my reactions or actions that I take. I cannot control the body. The body does what the body does. And I had to accept that. And it was at that point where we went to therapy, my husband and I went to counseling, we were newlyweds. And the therapist asked us, do you still want to be married if you can't have kids? I thought, what an absurd question. It just didn't occur to me to leave the marriage. It was weird. My husband looked at me and he said, what? He said, yeah, we just have to figure out what's next. We thought that would be it. It's not. Today, what I did was I went back to school. Honestly, it was very difficult. It took me a couple of years to overcome that sadness, that grief, the loss, and figure out who I was without being a mom. I went back to school. I got a doctorate. I had a blast studying. It was fun. I made the most out of it. But what I did with it was I began to mentor other young women who I thought could use the assistance. And so while I was teaching in the public schools or as an administrator in the public schools, I met some particularly brilliant women who didn't have the means that I had. And my husband and I sent them to college. They were like our kids. And you know what? It was very fulfilling. They're all administrators now in the public schools, paying it forward, living the life they never thought they could live. It was fulfilling to me. I felt like they were my kids, my daughters in some way. They had families, but I was a second mother and I could mentor them. And it really did. It met a deep need that I had. So can you overcome that? Of course, any difficult challenge can be overcome. I had to face it head on and I truly had to feel that deep, deep sadness and move through it. There is life after infertility. It really is. I love that. What's the most common question that you get asked? How do I shut my mind off? It's like, what the fuck is going on in my mind? And I tell them, I said, the mind is designed to think, but it's not your, you've got to train the mind to work on your behalf. And that's the work that I do today. 
It's really getting people inside of how to quiet that gerbil that runs in the mind, if you may. And, and then you direct it. I teach people that. That's the most common thing. Or how do I, how do I get rid of this anxiety? And I said, well, we're not going to focus on there. We're going to focus on something else. So someone says, you know, I, I said, they said, well, what do you mean I'm not going to focus on it? I said, you're really good at it. You've been focusing on it long enough. We're going to train something else. Tell me what you want to train. And they say something like peace or love or joy. And I said, let's focus on that. Let the mind go wild with that. And so that's probably the most common question in my, you know, my, with my clients. How do I shut this mind off? How do I train my emotions? No, that's good. Spring Washama, who had been a guest on the show, she says, people are always afraid of the silent retreat. She said, your mind's not silent. Yeah, it <laughs> isn't. Mind's never silent. And I know you do silent retreats. I do. I do. I do them about three, four times a year. Go up to the mountains in Colorado and you do these silent retreats. It's hard to be alone with yourself. People don't realize how difficult it may be. But Shutting out the technology and the distractions, going up to nature and just being with oneself can be very revealing. You can really get in touch with the patterns of thought, the emotions that are going on, the themes that live inside that play over and over again, that we kind of wash out with the noise of life. And then you can transform those. And that's why I love to do that because I always come, it's like a, a nervous system reset. I get to reset my nervous system and come back to my life. And it really does work. It's beautiful. And I recommend it. Yeah, definitely. Do you have a message of hope you want to give? Yes. There is nothing too difficult to overcome. In 1980, I tried to take my life. I did. It was very, I was a, in a very dark place. And at that time, I just was in a very, very dark place. I had come to terms with a lot of physical abuse that, that had been thrust upon me for 18 years growing up in my home. And I left home and I just did not know how to deal with the body, the feelings I had. There is hope. There is always someone you can reach out to, whether it's a therapist, whether it's a life coach, a friend tell somebody that you're in trouble. It's when we keep it a secret that it really does us in. I'm very open about what I've had to go through. Life is like that. It can be ups and downs and it's bumpy and it's not always pretty. My message of hope is to reach out, be authentic about it, and the right person will be there. That's the intuition that you can tap into that will actually lead you to where you need to be. In some measure, I think it's how we met. It just yeah. led us together. It's how I just connect with people now. The universe will bring you the right, the right assistance, the right support. And just keep reaching out. There's always going to be someone there. There's never anything you can't overcome. Nothing. I've seen... Too many examples of people who have been in worse shape than me, and they've overcome it. Transformation can happen in, in a moment, and then you can master your life over time. But reach out. Don't be silent. 
Yeah, definitely. And what would you tell somebody who they just know that there's something else they're meant to do, but they're afraid to make the leap? Mm, feel the fear and take action anyway. Yeah. Fear is a fear is a great motivator. I've been afraid so many times to take that next step, but I'll tell you, feel that fear, let it propel you forward, and then train an emotion in that new setting, such as joy or confidence or passion or inspiration, and drop the fear. Let it go. Let the fear take you forward and drop it. Hey, that was great. Thank you so much for being a guest today on 52 Weeks of Hope. Oh, thank you for having me, Lauren. It's a pleasure to be with you. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and take with you messages of openness, confidence, and trust. Such great messages to take into your week ahead. Be sure to tune in next week for another empowering episode all about overcoming challenges, confidence, and how to take that next step, staying aligned with your true self. That's next week. Be sure to get on the email list so you don't miss anything. We have a couple of member-only specials beginning, so you definitely want to be in the know. Just go to the website at 52weeksofhope.com so that you can get on the email list. We also have a new quiz over there. When do you self-sabotage on the website? That's at 52weeksofhope.com. It's a fun quiz. When do you self-sabotage? Get some insight to yourself. If you're enjoying the podcast, share the love and tell two of your friends. I'm Lauren Abrams. Thanks for listening. 